Welcome, 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 welcome back to the Culture Jack Podcast. My name is Dustin. I'll be your host. (laughs) Well, Matt, I don't know why I said that so formally, maybe so dangerously, maybe a little bit threateningly. That wasn't my intention. I have to remember, at the beginning of each one of these podcasts, there is a few moments, a few seconds, where there's actually intro music playing. So I've got about 20 or 25 seconds. It probably just ended or is close to ending uh, now, uh, but sometimes I think I say important things at the beginning of my podcast. Well, my intro music is playing, but because the intro music is playing, it then, uh, <laughs> dilutes my point or you can't really hear what I'm saying. Uh, especially when it is something that I think is important, which is most things that I say, because I only say the things that are the most important. That's not true. That's not true. I have to talk to you about last week. I mean, there was some terrible news on the national stage here in the U.S. Uh, women are, are fixing to lose their rights to have bodily autonomy, which is a terrible thing. Uh, the right to privacy is not really a thing in this country. All of our medical records could be shown, but that's not what we talk about on this show. We talk about things that make you feel good. No, I want to talk about last week in particular with uh, my missed episode. I didn't record an episode last week. And I'll tell you why. People on this show or people that have uh, joined me on this podcast before know that I have I have a problem. <laughs> I have several problems, but I have a problem with canker sores specifically. And I had a canker sore in front of my left canine um, about four or five days before I went to record the podcast, um, or before I wanted to, before the deadline was before last Friday hit and it kept getting closer and closer and the canker sore didn't get any better. And it was, it was right in front of that, like I say, left canine right on the lip there. So every time I went to make an F or a V sound, um, be very, very painful. And so I was unable to enunciate those. And it's terrible too, because my dog's name, my new dog that I got, her name is Buffy. And so you can't yell Buffy, come here, you know, anything. So I was calling her buddy all week just to alleviate the pain that was in my mouth, but I'm all better now. And here I am with an episode uh, for you. Um, Also, Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion. I don't know if you saw this. What a weird introduction. I've never done this much news stuff in an introduction uh, right off the jump. Usually, it's just myself talking to you about myself. So he bought this platform, and he says it's now going to be an ultimate freedom of expression, freedom of speech platform, which I think he just bought it because he was tired of that kid who was tracking his aircraft so he couldn't move about the world in a secretive manner. Anyway, I made some TikToks. Why is this... (laughs) Why does this feel like a stand-up routine? I'm like, here I am. Here's a thing. Here's a thing. Here's a thing. I did make some TikToks though. And the thing about making TikToks, the hard hard part about TikTok uh, in general, um, but I think more more specific to to that platform is it is a video medium. So here I, I can record a podcast for you. I don't have to make sure my surroundings look nice, make sure that I'm not uh, giving to you any identifying information about myself or, or doxing myself in some way, maybe showing a 
uh, a piece of mail that has my address on it. Here I can just record with a TikTok, with any kind of uh, video medium format, whether it's YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or any of that. Uh, you kind of have to do more of a, a dress-up presentation. And... <laughs> For the people that have seen my TikTok videos, they're like, what are you talking about? You don't dress anything up at all. Um, no, I don't. Um, but the problem, I guess, what am I trying to say? What am I talking about? The hard part about video creation, not just video creation, but whether you're doing any kind of content creation, is that consistency that you have to have to do it. And I am not terribly consistent, obviously with the podcast, I missed it last week, but with any of the social media stuff, even less so. And sometimes I forget, though I am trying to establish a brand with Culture Jacked, sometimes I forget that you don't need to only use these things if you have something to say every day, or if you are trying to do that kind of brand promotion every single day, you can just make a thing. And then you can take a week off. I know, I know the the common or the most popular conception of it right now is is making sure that you produce three or four pieces of content on every single social media platform you have, and that's how you get to grow your grow your brand. But I am a I am a husband and a father and a, a worker, and I have. I have things, home projects that I have to do. And, you know, I, I like to get out and exercise every so often and play video games simply for enjoyment. Uh, so that's the hard thing about content creation is sometimes you get trapped in that idea that this is all you have to do. And then it very much ends up being a second a second job, which is not why I like doing this podcast. I like doing it because I like talking uh, about these things. If you liked this rant this introduction to the podcast rant if you're new here you're probably scared off already so you're you probably haven't stuck around but if you could do me a favor leave me a review on whatever podcasting app or platform that you listen to us on uh it would be incredibly helpful now <clears throat> this is not a news show last week was supposed to be a news show but it wasn't this week or vice versa Last week was supposed to be a regular show. This week was supposed to be the news show. Um, but I do have a couple topics that I wanted to talk about that have happened uh, relatively recently. And no, it's it's not a Supreme Court decision and it's not Elon Musk and it's not about canker sores. More of kind of the wheelhouse of this podcast. The first one is Netflix lost about 200,000 subscribers in the first quarter of this year. Uh, greatly dismayed were their shareholders and the CEOs at Netflix. Uh, their stock price dropped about $50 billion because of that loss. That is incredible. I mean, just that, that amount of money is always something that is hard for me to see to begin with, but like, that's a, that's a lot of money. Uh, to be dropped from one such announcement. Uh, the shareholders of Netflix or some shareholders of Netflix have filed a lawsuit against Netflix over monetary losses, uh, and they are testing out models for charging for password sharing. So, you know, one of the things that you do with Netflix and HBO Max and, and Funimation in my case um, is you maybe you have a account and maybe you share your password with your buddy or your or your parent or your relative or your roommate 
and they get to enjoy your service. And then maybe, maybe if you guys are such cool bros that you decide they are going to share one of their account passwords that maybe for a streaming service you don't have with you, then all of a sudden you have both Netflix and you have Paramount Plus at the same time. Uh, for the cost of one, essentially. But they are, they're testing out models. I can't remember what the region was that they were testing out, uh, making a, like a smaller, th- like an additional fee to share the password with someone else. So, well, it's not a full-blown uh, Netflix fee. Uh, you still get, you'll get charged like a, a little bit extra to share the password with someone. And I don't know if that means that some of the device requirements that Netflix usually has in place are still in place with this kind of model. Um, what was I, what was I, where was I going with that? Anyway, I I'm curious to know because this is all a plan to increase their subscriber rate, right? They want to get more subscribers. And if they figure there's four or five people sharing one Netflix account and all of a sudden they can cut those four or five people off or charge them a little bit extra, those four or five additional people are going to now sign up for individual accounts, thus boosting their subscriber rate. But my question is, what is the conversion rate of someone who is already too cheap to buy their own Netflix subscription what is the conversion rate of them going, okay, well, I don't get Netflix then, so I'm going to buy my own? Or do they just say, oh, well, I don't get Netflix then? I don't, I don't know what it is. I feel like, I feel like uh, a lot of this is, is going the way of, of cable, of traditional media, of traditional television. And I don't like it. I don't like it. The prices are already are already too damn high. So some of the other things that they're doing is Netflix is cutting back their animation department. So you're, you are going to see less animated originals from Netflix. And I don't know if that includes a lot of the great anime that we've gotten on there lately. Um, I don't know if that includes like, I mean, obviously not um, on May 12th, I think it is. So next week, uh, love death and robots, which is already done so that it's not going to affect that at all. But um, shows like that. Uh, I know the, not the Witcher cyberpunk 2077 is supposed to be getting an animated show, an anime called nightwire night, nightwire, Tokyo. No, not nightwire, Tokyo, nightwire, Tokyo is a whole different thing. Night city, night city, 2077. I don't know what it's called, but it's supposed to be getting, is that going to affect, um, uh, projects like that? Who knows? Um, yeah, I, the thing about, the thing about profits, the thing about corporations, the thing about, uh, subscriber loss and subscriber gain is when you have a subscription style service like this, and it is so prolific, it is the, um, successor to blockbuster in, in the new digital streaming age. When you have a system like this, you can only subscribe so many people before subscribers run out. Eventually you're going to have a subscriber loss or a stagnation where not more people are subscribing like number go up. Technology is only, um, it only makes sense where there's numbers that can go up. Companies can't always have massive profits. 
uh, eventually you've got to just go, okay, yeah, things are going to ebb and they're going to flow. They're going to go up and they're going to, going to go down. That's enough about Netflix. What about Microsoft and Sony? Uh, they're testing out putting advertisements in free to play games. Have you heard about this? Have you heard about this free to play games like Fortnite, like Apex Legends, like Rocket League, uh, at least on the Microsoft side anyway? Um, these advertisements uh, for Mike uh, on the Microsoft side of things with these three games specifically um, are going to be for the developers. So for Epic and for Respawn, Microsoft isn't going to get a cut of these, which I, I think is is kind of cool. It gives developers another opportunity to find revenue in a project that they've worked on and they poured their heart and soul into in just because it is a um, live service game like one of these where you can buy cosmetics and you can get you can get your funding you can get that you can get that revenue some other way uh, it's nice for them to be able to continue to provide those free services like I've had an incredible amount of time spent on Fortnite and Apex Legends Rocket League too before it came became free to play but I have I feel like I have gotten a value beyond just the cosmetics that I have bought in the game, which is, which is good. Uh, so I like that. But when, when they were talking about this, I immediately started to think now where, if you put advert ad, I always want to say advertisements like they do in Britain. So if you're going to put advertisements in your game, where would you then put them? Uh, so like in rocket league, you know, it's a stadium essentially. Right. And you've got goals, Maybe you put billboards up on the side and they're like scrawling across these these walls that you're gliding up on and and everything like loading screens, even though new graphics cards and processors make loading screens kind of a thing of the past. Like that'd be a good place to put them. You know, this game is is brought to you by Coca-Cola or whatever, or maybe they're separate. Uh, they could go in the menus, perhaps, you know, you you navigate over through to a map or something else. And by gosh, next to the map, you've got a, a advertisement for a Ford or Chevy. Um, cutscenes could be a good place. Uh, obviously you don't have to watch the cutscenes, So whether that would have an effect on skippable cutscenes or not, I don't know. Maybe certain characters could be <laughs> like in Fortnite, right? You have all these crossovers all the time. Right now we are in the um, kind of the Doctor Strange crossover. Whenever there is a new Marvel movie coming out or, you know, Uncharted, when that movie came out, there were crossovers there and they had characters and adventures uh, in that way, which I'm sure are paid advertisements by Marvel and Disney and Sony and whoever else is releasing these movies um, to be put in this game to advertise for their movie. Why not have, uh, you know, the Pepsi guy? Why not have the Doritos guy uh, be a be a DLC content pack that you could buy or a challenge pack that you could buy? Like that would be a way to advertise and at the same time as getting an exclusive character that you could buy. Uh, so, you know, at, at advertisers, they win because they get their product in the game. The developers, they win because they get the advertisers, but the developers also win because they get you uh, paying for a skin that has been advertised to you. And then you win because you get this, you get to keep the, uh, 
I don't know. What's the what's a what's another good? What's the uh, beer? The Cinco de Mayo beer. Good Lord, I I having a hard time. We'll just say Heineken because that it's not Heineken. I know it's not Heineken. I don't drink a lot of beer. Uh, not anymore. I was a young man once where <laughs> where I imbibed a little bit much. What about uh, in-game lore? Like if you think of a game like Skyrim, and I know we're not talking about, so we're talking about free-to-play games, but if you think of, uh, of a game like Skyrim and you're wandering around the map and you find a book and this book maybe has one of the pages as you're flipping through it is a an advertisement for a lawyer that you can call uh, if you've been exposed to asbestos and maybe are suffering from mesothelioma or black lung or the like. Um, and under what circumstances then uh, would you get to turn ads off as well? Like if you had a free to play game, we'll just say Fortnite because that seems to be the example I'm running with here. If you had Fortnite and it, you had ads in Fortnite would you be able to turn them off if maybe you uh, bought the battle pass, for example, or if uh, you know you paid for the full version of the game? Because you know Fortnite has a separate single player, not a single player, but a cooperative, uh, narrative-driven story mode called Save the World. If you buy Save the World, do you then get to turn ads off? And are there are there games without ads? Uh, like tiered versions of those games, you know, like, so you do get Fortnite for free if you want, but if you pay $20 for that version of Fortnite, you get the version of Fortnite that is ad free, similar to a Hulu experience. You get the, 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 the cheaper version of Hulu that's got ads or, you know, the, the version of Crunchyroll with ads, or you can pay a little bit more and get it without ads. Coming up this summer, Summer Games Fest is scheduled for June 9th. Xbox and Bethesda have announced that their showcase is going to be on June uh, 12th uh, today. What am I talking about on the show? These things, these things are what I'm talking about in the show. And also, I'm going to talk about Moon Knight, the episode five and episode six. And I'm going to answer one of your burning questions as well. Uh I'm excited for those those showcases. I think this, it's not E3 because E3 has been canceled, but I think this event around what historically would be the time of E3 is going to be a big one. I think we're going to see a lot of big game announcements. Last year, eh, you know, it was all right, but it wasn't great. I think this year the company's moving forward knowing that they are going to be delivering independent showcases during this time of the year by themselves, separate from uh, the ESA and E3, we are going to see a lot more uh, gangbusters and, and uh, <laughs> banging showcases. You can always tell when my brain just shuts down when I'm in the middle of a thought. Okay, and the last thing I wanted to get into uh, a little bit before we get into Moon Knight is Embracer Group. So the Embracer Group made another acquisition. I'm sure you heard, uh, but they bought several studios and IP from Square Enix, which was very surprising to a lot of people. But apparently Square Enix has had some financial woes and troubles in the past so many years uh, that it's it probably makes a lot of sense. So they bought uh, Crystal Dynamics, Eidos Montreal, and Square Enix Montreal. 
And that's, you know, includes stuff like Tomb Raider, Raider, Legacy of Cain, and like Deus Ex Machina sort of stuff. Now, when I tell you how much they bought these assets from Square Enix, you're going to shit a brick. You're absolutely going to lose it. Because if you remember, what was the, what was the Activision Blizzard purchased for? Was that, was that 40 some billion? Is that 70 billion? God, it was up there. So many people buying so many things for so much money. Um, and then Minecraft was like 3.5 and then 7 billion uh, for Bethesda. Embracer Group got all of these studios for $300 million. And they made the sale after uh, Square Enix announced a $200 million loss on Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers. And those two those two properties, Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, are, are still going to continue under Embracer Group, pending Disney approval, of course. They will take over those licenses and carry on with those games. Just to give you some perspective on Embracer, because they just bought Aspire, and Aspire, they're like a... They do a lot of ports of things. I think they're doing the Star Wars Knights of the Old Repu Republic port. That, that's Coder, K-O-T-R. Yeah, they've got a lot of things, actually, and they've been buying a lot of things. Things they already own are THQ Nordic, Coke Media, Deep Silver, Gearbox, Tarsier Studios, Saber Interactive, Purple Lamp Studios, and like I said, Aspire Media as well. And that includes licenses to some very well-known games like Red Faction. Darksiders, Biomutant, Dead Island, Chorus, Saints Row, Time, Time Splitters, Goat Simulator, Hot Wheels Unleashed, World War Z, Metro, Metro series of games, Metro Exodus, not, not like Metroid, Metro Exodus, SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom, all the Borderlands games because they have Gearbox now, Ghost Runner, uh, and Dukem Nukem as well. So with this acquisition... And it always lends itself to this question when you are thinking about game studio acquisitions or you are thinking about uh, movie licensing deals that come through after big acquisitions of big movie studios. Are we going to see a revitalization of some of these games? I know a lot of people are begging for more Tomb Raider games. A lot of people want the Legacy of Kane series to be uh, brought back from the dead. Now, I was never a Legacy of Kane guy myself, but I was a big Soul Reaver fan, which was an offshoot of that of that game. Uh, or, and this is a thought I had while listening to this story on another on another show. Um, are are these licenses that Embracer Group bought? Are they just are they there to to be used? Are they there to be have games remade or or remastered? Or are they just are they just assets to hold, to trade, to to buy and to sell? Are they just things that you can stick in a portfolio and say we have these things to make other sales look more appealing? Because part of me, it starts to feel like that when we see that these these licenses, these characters have gone from hand to hand, from studio to studio, and remasters, remakes, sequels, prequels never really manifest. They never really take place. So it makes me feel like 
it's just it's just a thing to have to be a to be a carrier for investment for money for portfolio that's that's just what i feel but embracers added again this is the season for acquisition it's the acquisition disposition for the video game industry right now and oh that's another thing i mean this is not the the episode for that i'm going to talk about my predictions for the E3 season uh, in another episode. But uh, is this the E3 season where we see big uh, studio acquisitions announced during these different showcases? I'm very excited if that's the case. But fuck all that news. Let's talk about Moon Knight. So this is the part of the show where I am supposed to talk about a a movie that I watched or a show that I watched. And um, I realize that because I missed last week's episode in which I was supposed to talk about Masters of the Universe, the Kevin Smith Netflix He-Man uh, reboot, I didn't get to do that, obviously. And so logic would then dictate, right, that I would uh, move that to this week. And so this week I would be talking about Masters of the Universe. However, uh, my normally scheduled show that I was going to talk about this week is Moon Knight. And because I want to be part of the zeitgeist, I want to be in that that cultural river, that stream. I want to flow with all of you and discuss these things as they're as they're happening. I am going to talk about Moon Knight this week. So you have to wait one more week for Masters of the Universe. And I feel like at this point, it's almost a... It's not a gag because I'm I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this on purpose. I'm not going like, oh, I'm I'll I'll review uh, Masters of the Universe next week and then just not like that's that's not my intention. That's not what I'm doing to you. It just is how things have gone. It's how things go. Uh, but I am talking about the fifth and sixth and final episode, which is the sixth episode. I don't know why I said it like that. The fifth and final. Uh, should have been the way way it went. Episode of Moon Knight today, the series on Disney+. Plus. It's a good show. If you've been following along for the last few weeks, I have been talking about Moon Knight. Um, yeah, there will be spoilers as I talk about this. And I, like I said before, I'm not going to try and recap every single plot point, though I, I do have a tendency to do that, even though I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get better. But if you like to reminisce about a show that maybe you also liked... Well, I, I mean, then that's what this is here for, to remind you of maybe a cool action sequence or an interesting character exchange that happened that maybe you forgot about or you want to relive in just in just this moment with me. So starting out with episode five, uh, again, spoilers for episode five and six of Moon Knight. If you haven't seen them, turn off the podcast now or fast forward uh, to the, the next section, the letters section of the show, which you can do with the time codes underneath. I mean, that's very convenient. That's very considerate of me to do for you. So episode five starts off where episode four left off, and that is with Mark and Steve, uh, Mark and Steve, Mark and Steven being uh, introduced to this Egyptian hippo goddess, which is the goddess Tauret in the, in the mental hospital. And she explains to them that they have to uh, go 
uh, on the boat Osiris uh, across the Duat, which is the, I guess, the, the passage to the afterlife. Think of kind of, you know, like the river Styx or whatever. And they have to go across the Duat and they have to weigh their heart to, to find that it is balanced. Because if it is not balanced, then they will be cast into the desert sands of the Duat with all of the restless souls that have been cast down there before them. So a really cool sequence uh, and, and big special effects in this one. Not just the animation of the goddess Tauret, but also the Duat, the Osiris, and then later at the end, the Field of Reeds, where is the afterlife uh, where they are, they're supposed to be going to uh, once they, once they get there. So Tauret is the Egyptian goddess of rejuvenation and revival um, of fertility as well. Maybe I'm not entirely sure. She was foreshadowed in an earlier episode is episode one, I believe where uh, Stephen was working in the gift shop there at the museum and there were those little hippos that uh, his boss told him to put away and he's like, well, they're not hippos, they're the, they're the goddess Torret. Um, the, so the Duat, uh, the Torret, and then the Field of Reeds, the, you know, nice heavenly afterlife that is promised to them by Torret. Um, and so in order to get there, they have to balance their scales. Um, and this is you know, hinted on earlier on with Arthur Harrow when he was talking to um, Stephen Grant in the museum and he held his hands and he was like, there's chaos in you. Your scales aren't balanced, man. This is crazy. And it makes sense because Mark Spector has this dual personality. He's got Stephen Grant and still a yet unknown, probably third personality. I don't know if they're going to do more than more than the three. Uh so they have to explore Mark's memories, and that is rep represented in the cabin of the Osiris where they go back in, and it's back inside the mental hospital. And they're going through all these different rooms, and they go into a room where there's a bunch of dead people, and he's like, well, you, you killed all of these people, and... Mark was like, look, it's my job. You know, I had to do it. And, um, but he doesn't want Stephen to see this stuff. He does not want Stephen to experience the horror that that are his like his own memories. So they have to explore uh, memories. Uh, there's a little boy in this room and, you know, Stephen runs after the little boy. Mark's like, don't do that, you know. Um, and it turns out that Mark's younger brother, Mark had a younger brother, who died while they were out exploring. They went into a cave and he died while they were spelunking in some way. I can't remember how. And Mark is ultimately blamed for this by his mother. His mother says, you know, he never would have died if you never, never took him out there. How dare you? I hate you. I hate you. Uh, you're, you're terrible, which is a terrible thing to do to anybody. Uh, more or less uh, a child. And there's, you know, survivor's guilt and survivor's blame and that sort of thing. So, Mark's mother uh, gets gets very verbally abusive and then later physically abusive with Mark. Also, while they're exploring his memories, they they show the scene of, you know, all of the mercenaries and archaeologists to include Layla's father, uh, who had been slaughtered in that event that they talked about that they referenced in previous episodes where Mark became Moon Knight. And then it showed him uh, making the deal with Khonshu. Because Kanchi was like, well, do you want to live? And he's like, yeah, I want to live. And so become my avatar. And he becomes he becomes Moon Knight. 
uh, and it's cool because we also get to see the scene where uh, Mark does not want Stephen to go into his room in his house after his mother has continually, you know, blamed him for his brother's death. And he's like, don't go in that room. Don't go in that room. And Stephen's like, I got to go in that room. And he goes in the room and uh, it's a, it's a young Mark Spector who's getting verbally abused by his mother through the door. And that's when the first, the first switch happens. His eyes roll back in his head and he becomes a very young British Stephen Grant. And he says, Oh, what's all this thing? Ah, oh, the room's quite a mess. We better pick this thing up. And his mom bursts in and presumably he takes the beating for, he takes the beating for Mark essentially. So he was created to protect Mark's psyche, which it doesn't really make sense to me because Stephen apparently has no recollection of these beatings, of this mistreatment, of this abuse at the hands of his mother because he uh, he still he still loves her. He thinks of her as a kind mother and so much so to the fact that he's talking to her on the phone uh, several times in earlier episodes, he's talking to his mother on his phone, which I surmised early on because we never heard mother speaking that she was dead or she was not there or the phone was off. And even in one of the flashbacks, when Mark went back to her funeral, he didn't go to the funeral, but he's standing outside and he's drinking and his dad's looking out the window. He's like, come in, come into the, the memorial service for your mom here. He's like, no, I'm, I'm drinking. And he walks down the street a little ways. His eyes roll back in his head. And he's like, oh, well, where am I? This is quite strange. And he calls his mom. He's like, hey, mom, just wanted you to know I'm, I'm lost again. Um, but it, it should be the opposite way. Because if Stephen is taking the abuse for Mark, if Mark has, has split his personality in this way to protect himself, then it should be Stephen that remembers all of these beatings. Or unless there, I mean, you know, physical uh, trauma can can manifest itself in, in many different ways, you know, like emotional uh, damage, emotional trauma can manifest itself in many different ways. So maybe he did have Stephen take the abuse, but then Stephen blocked the abuse out and, you know, he has it as maybe a repressed memory of some of some kind, which is such a yeah, I mean, it's such a uh, I'm sure it happens but is such a interesting concept to see explored in this superhero universe that we're all just absolutely fascinated with. Well, I'm absolutely fascinated with it. If you're here on this channel, there's some degree of fascination that you must have as well. So, so they, they figure this thing out and Steven's like, so you made me up. And this is, it's hugely sad because Steven is, by all accounts, and a, a wholly fleshed out person. He's a person of his, his own self that uh, has thoughts and feelings and emotions and memories, all of his own. And by his representation there on the Osiris, in the, in the Duat, on the way to the Field of Reeds, it would also imply that not only is he a person with his own experiences and memories, but he is a person with his own soul as well. So it's a really, a really interesting, interesting thing. Like they're so separated that that's, that's the case. And so 
they can't get their scales balanced and the, the boat starts to get overrun with these souls that have not been put to rest yet. And Tourette says, well, you're going to get dragged into the dragged into the sand. See you later. I know she's not as flippant as that. She's, the, the, the character of Tourette uh, is a wonderful foil to the seriousness of the show. She's so upbeat, she's so happy, and everyone else is so serious. And and Mark has gone on uh, he's a he's a troubled man. He is not well. Our Arthur Harrow is a he's a bad guy. He's a cult leader that's going to to kill all these people on the on the planet. You know, Layla's got this chip on her shoulder from her her dad being killed by Mark and she's very serious. And then you have Tarret, who is just forever bubbly and expressive and very excited about everything, very friendly, very jovial. Uh, and in the next episode, in episode six, uh, she plays an even, even bigger, bigger role. So I, I'm very happy about that. Um, Oscar Isaac, while he switches between Steven and Mark, is this is just such great acting. Like he just, I mean, he changes on a dime. And I know that's what professional actors do, but I'm very impressed with it. Um, so the boat's getting overrun by these lost souls and they're fighting. And I think, uh, you know, Steven, he's very scared. Mark's fighting him and Mark's about to get drug off the boat. And then Steven goes to rescue him. But when he does, he falls off the boat. The boat continues on and Steven falls into the sands and he, he is frozen solid in the sands of the Duat. And, Oh, before that, they see all of these souls coming down into the duot. So they're like, it's already starting. You know, Arthur's already doing his thing. Uh, but we find out later that Arthur really hadn't done Jack. Not not just yet, anyway. So he goes overboard and he freezes in the sand. Stephen Grant does. At that moment, Tarrett says, look. And the scales, they balance. They, they lock into place. That is what was unbalancing the scales was his split personality, his dissociative identity disorder. Um, but it, it, it was so sad because I, I I don't know. I don't know the acting, the writing, whatever it is. This part just got to me because Steven is a whole person, even though he was made to help with the trauma of Mark's abusive mother and his, his rough family life. Um, speaking of his dad, also a piece of garbage, not protecting him from his mom as well. I know she's grieving, but she needs to get over that. She's got another son. She's got to take care of as well. Uh, it just made me so sad. It made me so, so sad. And the episode ends, the scales are balanced. And then all of a sudden, boom, Mark is, he's there in the field of reeds. And for the first time, he's, it's silent. There's nothing else, nothing else going on. And then no, no end credit scene. And that moves us right into the series finale, episode six. Harrow's got Amit and Layla is in pursuit and they, they come to a blockade there in Egypt and there's all these soldiers and they have Harrow and his, his men, his group get out of the car and Harrow, oh, oh, first, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting excited. This was a very good show. I was very excited uh, in the days leading up to it. And then uh, the hype that right before I watched it and then watching it was just mm, chef's kiss. Very good. So when he got the, the 
Ushamti of Amit, the little tiny statue, he his power grew and his cane transformed. It was like a double headed alligator. Uh, and then one head flipped over and made like a, a nice little spine on one side, then an alligator mouth on the other, which seemingly increased the powers of his staff and his ability to judge people's scales. Uh, so they get to this this blockade with these soldiers. Layla has, um, she's kind of uh, stolen a ride. She's hidden herself among the followers on the van. And Arthur Harrow gets out and the soldiers are like, search them or whatever. And all the all the cult members get out. And Arthur, he, he judges them without touching them. Like, boom, staff down, purple wave. A bunch of soldiers' souls fly up into the air. They're gone. One soldier, you know, his his soul does not fly up into the air. It's not not gone. And so he's like, "Hey, give me your radio." And he's like, "You won't be needing this anymore. You're part of you're part of this gang now." The thing about that is, at the same time doing that without touching these these soldiers, this this judgment took place in an area immediate to Layla as well. And so because her soul is not scooped up into the afterlife along with these other soldiers, you have to make the presumption that she is good and she remains uh, good throughout her life because that's Amit's deal, right? You're judging your past and your future at the same time. And if there's any evil in there, you're out of here. Um, so it's funny because then one of the dead soldiers that Layla is, is next to as she prepares a dagger or she's going to kill. I don't know what her plan is really. And uh, one of the dead soldiers kind of comes to life and starts talking to her. And it's like, Hey, Hey, Mark's alive or Mark's going to make it or something along those lines. He's in the field of reeds. Um, she doesn't understand. She's like, well, go away. I don't want anything to do with gods or anything else anymore. I'm going to go take care of this, this guy, my, myself. Uh, there is also, there's also like a inconsistency in the way Arthur Harrow's powers work because in this scene he doesn't touch any of the of the soldiers and he can immediately remove their souls from them, but then in the climax of this episode when they are in Cairo and they are trying to take you know souls in mass, uh, he has to have his cult members go out and grab people's hands in order to take their souls, which seemed very inconsistent, uh, at least according to his power set. And by that point, Amit had been resurrected in full. Her who Shopti had been uh, smashed and she'd been brought back. Um, one would think his powers would have grown even even more in that moment. But I digress. Uh, so Mark is in the field of reeds. He's enjoying a peaceful silence that he has not known for the entirety of his adult life and the majority of his life in general. Uh, but he says, I have to go back. And he runs back out of the field of reeds, this beautiful, peaceful, wonderful place, uh, back into the duat. And he finally makes it back to Stephen, who's frozen in the sand with his hand outreached. Mark has his heart that was balanced by the scales. And he reaches for Stephen. And when he does, uh, the heart rests between both of their hands. They both become unfrozen. Hurrah, hurrah. They're back together again. Uh, again, really a, a cool sequence because uh, a signifier of how they have agreed that they're not really a whole person without the other side of their person. Like that's, that's who they are. 
to spoil the end credit scene, which I know you've seen by now, because if you've listened, if you've listened this far, you know, with Jake Lockley finally appearing there at the end, God, it took him all, all season. Uh, it, it begs the question, why was he not there in the duot as well? Right? Because at the moment Mark died, it was Mark that was shot in the chest. Oh, he was in the in the duot because he was in the hospital in the sarcophagus in that other room. So he was there. They just weren't expressing that emotion. Why? <laughs> why then? Okay. I'm finding huge plot holes now, just as I'm, I'm, I'm walking my way through this. I'm talking my way through this. How were the scales balanced only when Steven was discarded off the boat into the, into the desert Yet Jake Lockley was still in the sarcophagus in, in Mark's mind. Listen, Marvel writers, you've, you've done an inconsistency here. I am going to need answers. Kevin Feige, you can call me in my direct line. You have it. Uh, don't worry about that. Anyway, Arthur Harrow goes to Giza and releases Amit. And I mean, he goes to Giza before he releases Amit. He, uh, not murders. Maybe he murders the other avatars of the other gods, or at least he uh, takes them out in some way, uh, which kind of <laughs> kind of throws uh, water on the idea that I had that there were co-conspirators among those other gods. And really nothing, nothing came of the God that even allied themselves with Mark Spector or the one that was seemingly in charge. Like those kind of, those were plot threads that didn't really get tied up. I still think this is a high tier Marvel show. However, there are some big, huge glaring gaps that I'm, I'm discovering now in my recap of the thing. Uh, anyway, they're dispatched. They're out of the way. Layla is, she's running around hiding in Giza. She had to take one guy out. Um, uh, Aret is uh, is also still trying to convince Layla to become her avatar. She says, we're going to have such a good time. It's going to be great. Um, but Harrow says, I'm ready to be judged by Amit. Amit, who is now a giant crocodile Egyptian goddess, super cool special effects, top quality as well, like really good. I, and I've only done one pass through of this uh, show so far. I will probably watch at least the cool action sequences again. Uh, but Harrow says, I'm ready to be judged. I'm not a good man. Or she says he's not a good man. He says, I know, but I was hoping that by me releasing you to do this good work, it would give me penance for the things that I've done before. And maybe, maybe I'd be a good man then. And she's like, look, last time I had a good man, uh, he, he trapped me in a new Shopti and stuck me in, <laughs> in Alex, the greats, uh, throat. So, Maybe I don't need a good man. Maybe you'll do for now if you can follow my follow my rules. So he still gets to be the hand of Amit despite his misgivings, his trespasses in the past or future or whatever it is. And it's always a, a true fact that uh, zealots to an organization or a religion or, or a cult in this case, um, but I repeat myself, are always more passionate than the tenets of that thing uh, to begin with, right? There are the, there's there's nothing 
that makes someone more zealous than being converted because this is now their place. This is now where they belong. And so it's kind of funny to see Harrow wanting to stick to the word of Amit more so than the giant crocodile Egyptian goddess herself. Just kind of a funny, funny side note for me. So the, the Giza is Giza is crumbling because uh, Amit and Khonshu are fighting and Amit's like, I'm not going to let you get away with this. She's like, you don't got an avatar. What are you going to do, Mac? Uh, and Layla is she's talking to another dead soldier and she's like, all right, I'll be your avatar. Uh, and she's like, yay, the Tarret. She's like, yay, that's that's amazing. And she becomes the Scarlet Scarab. Uh, which I didn't even know was a character. I had to look up. I was like, is this a real, is this a real character? And she comes out and there's this really cool sequence where she comes out and she's got this Egyptian garb on. And, you know, I don't know if there are any other Marvel characters, at least within the MCU presently, that are Egyptian characters. So, uh, you know, a big bonus for representation there on that front as well. But she comes out. And she looks so badass already, but she sticks her hands behind her back and then like whips out uh, these these wonderful Egyptian golden wings. Like it's really, really cool shot. And I saw online actress May uh, Callum 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 away. May Callum away, uh, who plays Layla. She told Indie Wire, she said, quote, never say no to a spinoff. I have fallen in love with her and her fight. Layla has so many mysteries about her that I feel like she deserves to have them expanded upon. Now, read into that what you will. Uh, whether it was a direct question asked to her, I don't know. Hey, you know are you open to spinoffs? Uh, or if it was her just maybe hinting at something that's already going on, which would be fine. I, I think they have bigger aspirations for the character of Moon Knight. So to see this world, this Indiana Jones style archaeological world continue, I would not have a problem with that. I would love to see some prequel stuff for her, maybe some stuff with her and her father, maybe uh, her early adventures with Mark Spector as Moon Knight. Um, you know, that like tomb exploration, tomb raider stuff would be cool. I like to, I'd like to see that. I would also like to see with her now that I know that she has wings. Did she fly in this one? I can't remember if she flew. I know she blocked things with her wings, but I would love to see an interaction between her and the new Captain America, Sam Wilson, you know, because of the wings. And he'd be like, wings, huh? And she's like, yeah, what about him? You know, and he's like, yeah, that's kind of kind of my thing or something. I don't know. It'd be a good MCU comedy moment as they are so prone to do in these shows and movies. So Amit and Conchu are fighting. Um... And then Mark is revived. So Conchu heads over to where Mark is, you know, kind of poofs in and out of existence, can travel great distances really easily. Um, and and he, Mark and Steven are making a deal with Conchu. They're like, you have to release us. We're not going to help you defeat Amit. And he's like, with the world on the line, you would you would bargain with me now? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we would. And he's like, all right, you got a deal. And he... <laughs> He helps Moon Knight fly. He's like, well, how are we going to get there? He's like, I am the god of the night sky. And he and he flies him. But the way that he flies him, it cracked me up because his cape kind of circles around as a half circle around his uh, the bottom part of his body. And he looks like one of those paper airplanes, not like the standard one that you think of when you think of paper airplanes. But my cousin used to make these like round 
crown looking paper airplanes that you could throw and they would fly really, really well. So it just kind of gave me a little, little laugh. He looked like a paper airplane. So giant Conchu and giant Amit are fighting in front of the pyramid. Uh, Arthur Harrow has already gotten some of these souls from these people in town and they are not now just, not just going up in the air, but they are going down uh, Amit's gullet. Like she is just, she's just eating up these souls, having herself, a grand old time. And now Mark and Layla and Harrow are fighting in the street. You know, Harrow, he's like this dude that puts glass in his shoes and limps around with this cane. And now all of a sudden he's, he's twirling the spear around again, a real inconsistent character development. What would be probably better in this case, you know, Mark has, the armor of the night. He, he is the moon knight. What would uh, have been the, the big problem with giving Arthur some, some kind of armament that seemingly enhanced his physical capabilities from Amit? I'm just saying, you guys should have had me in the writer's room. I could have helped you a great deal. So they're all fighting. Layla gets pinned. Uh, the Scarlet Scarab gets pinned with her wings to the side of a truck. Things are looking dire. And then Mark blacks out again. His eyes roll back in his head and he wakes up and things are on fire. People are knocked out. Everyone is just wrecked. And Mark was like, Stephen, that wasn't you. Or Stephen said, Mark, that wasn't you. And he's like, no, no, it wasn't. So they are recognizing this third personality more and more. Uh, it's funny when you think of the the goals between Conchu and Amit. And they, they talked about it in episode two where Conchu was a spirit of vengeance, vengeance of the night, vengeance of uh, lost souls or whatever. And Amit was vengeance for future things as well. Right? So, man, this is a good connection. Who is the spirit of vengeance is ghost rider, man. So, I would love to see a Ghost Rider appearance in the season two, or or maybe they're getting closer to Ghost Rider as they are softening up audiences on this kind of mystical, godly, ghostly vengeance thing. Uh, so Mark, he's got Harrow on the ropes. He's going to kill him, uh, but he refuses to. And he says, you know what? Do it yourself. But we made a deal. We stopped Amit. Oh, that's what they did to stop Amit. They said, we need to put her back because her Ushapti was smashed. We can't put her back there, but we can put her in a moral, uh, a moral body. <laughs> we can put her in a mortal body. And then when we do that, we can kill the mortal body, thus killing Amit as well. And so they trap Amit's soul into Harrow. And Kanchu's like, okay, now finish it. And he's like, no, do it yourself. Which... Yeah, Mark, he's trying to be a better guy. But at the same time, that third personality that took over that Steven and Mark don't really know about just killed a bunch of guys on the street. Where was that third personality? Why didn't he come take over then and just kill kill Harold? Huge, huge plot hole, but I'm not complaining. Suspend your disbelief when you go into a movie about fictional made-up superhero characters that can fly and make deals with Egyptian gods and whatnot, right? So he refuses uh, and Conchu says, okay, a deal's a deal. You're released uh, from my service. So Mark is back in the hospital then with Harrow. And, you know, this is Dr. Harrow, his psychiatrist. And Harrow realizes his feet, feet are bleeding. He's like, what is, what is this? And he's like, oh, that's, that's 
how it go- I don't even remember how it ended. But that, then we get to the end credit scene. There's been no end credit scenes this whole time. Um, but it turns out that Harrow is now in the hospital and he tries to reach for some coffee and he spills it. And then someone comes and gets his wheelchair and he rolls him out of the hospital. And he's like reaches for where his room is. He's like, you're going the wrong way. But he rolls him out of the hospital and he throws him in this limo. And you can't really see the guy, but you know who he is. Like, especially if you've looked it up, if you've looked up Jake Lockley, you've looked up the comic books. And he, he kicks the wheelchair onto the onto the lawn. It's it's pretty hilarious. And when Harold gets into the limo, sitting across from him on the other seat is Conchu. And Conchu is dressed to the nines. Why Harrow can now see Conchu, I'm not sure. Maybe the connection that he now has with Amit. Oh, but he's like, well, you can't kill me. You're just you're just this god. You have no agency here, uh, and your avatar is gone. And he's like, well, I'd like to introduce you to my friend. And the little limo window rolls down, and sure as shit, Oscar Isaac turns around with a smile on his face. This is Jake Jake Lockley, and he pulls out a gun and he shoots him. Uh, so <laughs> Conchu is not a good guy. And I love that fact. He he's a he's a god that has his cake and eats it too. Like he knew that he was still going to have an avatar, even if he made that deal with Steven and he made that deal with Mark. That's why they make such a good avatar. I don't like the idea that Mark Spector is no longer the Moon Knight. So hopefully they rectify that in later seasons or a movie or uh, whatever guest appearance cameo that Moon Knight makes in another show. But I like that Conchu has his cake, eats it too. He still has an avatar and from what we've seen in the aftermath, the most ruthless uh, possible avatars of the all of all three of them. Uh, Khonshu as well. I, I love his like matter of fact voice. Like he doesn't, there's not a lot of high, strong emotion and he's played by F Murray Abraham, who was the best actor winner for Amadeus, the grand Budapest hotel. And he, he played at Homeland as well. Uh, so I love that voice. Moon Knight though, in general, this show didn't have any really big tie-ins with uh, other MCU properties, which was surprising. There were some uh, small, subtle references that we mentioned in other episodes here, um, but there was really no big, big things. There was a leak with the director uh, where he was talking about, um, there was a leak saying that other two other unnamed MCU characters were set to appear in this show, one at the beginning of the show and one at the end, maybe in the end credit scenes to connect it to something bigger that was going on. But that idea was scrapped and they didn't say which characters it was. I would love to see a Captain America, Sam Wilson, have an interaction with the Scarlet Scarab. Just like I had said, that would be pretty cool. Who else would be a good, I mean, Dr. Strange would be good. You know, they are, they are dealing with gods and deities Something that was brought up, uh, something I was listening to or watching, I can't remember, uh, in the Thor uh, Love and Thunder trailer, they they go and they see Zeus, uh, and Zeus, you know, he grabs that lightning bolt, or who we assume is Zeus anyway, and so gods are real in the MCU. We have these Egyptian gods, we have Zeus and uh, the pantheon of Greek gods, maybe, I guess, but also we have the Eternals who are characters that inspired theology and lore and mysticism in our 
in our human world. And uh, Athena, the god, was inspired, a direct inspiration from Athena, Angelina Jolie's character in The Eternals. So how they rectify that disparity between made-up theology and these real-life gods that we are now experiencing in these movies and shows, I, I don't know. There's been no official word on season two, though, if you did enjoy season one of Moon Knight, and I say season one, not the series of Moon Knight, because Marvel put out a pair of tweets Um, And I think it was leading up to the finale. Uh, One of the tweets was, hey, I really hope you guys enjoy the uh, series finale of Moon Knight. And then like 15 minutes later, they deleted that tweet and they put up another tweet that said, I really hope you enjoy the season finale of Moon Knight. And so that could mean that, you know, they just don't want to discourage people on saying, oh, well, there's nothing else coming out or... Maybe there's been some deals made behind the scenes that are like, hey, you know, Oscar Isaac, I know you've only got contracted for this one series, but what what do you think? Another one. And that's another unique thing about this. Like Marvel historically, Disney, Disney, Marvel and the MCU historically have done a lot of long term contracts with these actors. Uh, you're going to be in so many movies. You're going to be in so many shows. You're going to do so many guest guest appearances, et cetera, et cetera. But Oscar Isaac, when he signed up, he was like, look. I don't want to do that. I want to make this deal for this one show. And then we can decide later if I want to come back, which is, I mean, it's awesome for him. It kind of hurts me and it hurts uh, this fandom, you know, waiting with bated breath to see if this character comes back. But season two may be coming. Don't get your hopes too high, but just take it with a grain of salt. I was wrong about the implications for Doctor Strange. I thought... That because this had to do with gods, because this had to do with mysticism, there would be a huge Doctor Strange tie-in, which there may yet be, uh, because I haven't seen Doctor Strange. I'm going to see it tonight. After after I'm done with all of this podcasting, I'm going to see Doctor Strange. Um, I'll let you know. I'll let you know about that at some other other point. But I was wrong. There didn't seem to be any at least immediate direct tie-ins that I could see. Uh, Screen Rant did an article on potential Moon Knight MCU appearances. And Screen Rant articles are are something. If you've ever been to Screen Rant, like you know, they're like these are these are possible movies that they could appear in, and then they list every single show that's coming out. They did say uh, Blade, uh, which could be you know good dark mysticism, Spirit of Vengeance kind of connection, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, so there could be a connection with gods there. Oh man, what if? Now I'm just spitballing here. What if Gore the God Butcher, uh, the the villain for Thor: Love and Thunder, made a play at Conchu? And oh, what if he made a play at Conchu at trying to kill Conchu or Tauret uh, or other Egyptian gods in the future? Man, I hope they don't kill off Gore. They, I've always had this problem with Marvel where they kill off their bad guys or dispose of their bad guys too soon instead of having them run off and shake their fist. I'll be back another day. Um, The next Avengers movie, they said, Secret Invasion. I don't see Secret... Like these street-level ones, Secret Invasion, Echo, Daredevil, I don't see those, but they also suggested that Moon Knight could appear in the the long-rumored Marvel Halloween special. We know we're getting the James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. I think it's this year. Oh, 
I think it's this year. Uh, but I think there is supposed to be a Halloween special in the works as well. They also mentioned in this article a, a movie possibility, which we haven't seen yet for these Disney Plus shows. We've seen characters come from the movies to Disney Plus shows, but we haven't yet seen one of these characters get fully fleshed out and developed and their backstory thoroughly explored and then move them into a movie, which would be awesome. And that would be a perfect setup for this platform, a perfect setup uh, for the development of these characters and then pushing them out to a broader audience in a in a movie. And then if you wanted more information, you can watch a Disney Plus show. So far, it has an 87 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb.com. So doing very well. I was also wrong about the other other trapped gods being released. Maybe for maybe for another that's that's season two of Moon Knight right there. Some some tomb raiders go into the Giza pyramid, find the Ushaptis, and they break them all on accident. <laughs> Not an accident. Maybe it's another cult. They do it on purpose. But anyway, now you've got all of these deranged evil gods that were trapped for good reason in the Giza pyramid. They're all running amok. Maybe that's season two. Overall, it was a, a very high tier show. I, I stand by my original statement. Uh, a good show, though there were, now that I've been talking about it, some very significant plot holes. Some very significant gaps in information. And it was a lot. Watching episode five and all of the all of the the loose threads that they had to tie up by episode six. I've seen a lot of people say it already. They didn't they didn't do a good job of tying up all those loose ends. And so it was a tall order. Should have been eight episodes in that case. Should have been eight. Although it was a pretty tight six. It was pretty good. Although <laughs> they did have all of those uh, loose threads and plot holes, man, I'm just like, just like Oscar Isaac's characters. I'm so torn right now. Uh, it was a, a cool traipse into the supernatural, the mystical and the magical. Uh, there was a time though that we thought we wouldn't get a moon Knight, And, and here we are. Just finishing the hopefully first season of Moon Knight. So what other what other deep cut character should get a, a show next? Like we never thought we'd see Moon Knight. We never thought we'd probably well, Miss Marvel's very popular, but we never thought we'd see uh, a Falcon and the Winter Soldier show, probably a Hawkeye show, probably. What other deep cut character? Uh, like Ghost Rider. We better get a new Ghost Rider at some point. Squirrel Girl. Very popular. She defeated Thanos in the comics. Uh, what about Jamie Madrox? So I got a few comic books, and I, I don't have a lot of comic books, but I got a few comic books here a few months ago, and Jamie Madrox is the multiple man. And so that explores, like, what, what you would feel like if you were a clone of yourself. Like, you are, you are a second one of you, but you still have pain receptors. You still have feelings and thoughts and emotions. And if you watch anime, you know how Naruto, when one of his clones dies, they come back with all of the knowledge that he had. I think that's the same way with Multiple Man. I'm not sure, but I'd love to see him. You know, Michael Keaton, you remember Multiplicity? Like he did that one? Like this is a superhero that can multiply. 
Think of all of the cool fight scenes that you could do with that. Think of all of the cool character arcs and stories. And I think he's like a detective too. So then you could get Jessica Jones in it on as well. So that's I that's going to be my vote for the next deep cut character I would like to get a show within this. I think he's a mutant. And they haven't yet introduced the mutants. Oh, maybe in Doctor Strange later today, baby. I'm so excited. What do you think? Who should be next? What character? Let me know. Hit me up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Culture Jacked. Get me over there on uh, TikTok. That's a different one on TikTok. I don't know. Check the link tree. It's in It's in there. Uh, but that's it for Moon Knight. Great show. Loved it. Hope you did, too. Hope you enjoyed these uh, recaps and reviews. If you did, um, let me know which one you want me to do next. I know you want me to do Masters of the Universe. So I'll get, that, uh, I'll get to that next week. All right. And before I lose it, before I lose it, in the empty stereophonic cavern that is my hollowed out brain crevasse, uh, Facebook podcasts are going away. Uh, it, we recently started putting all of these episodes on Facebook. Uh, Facebook had a new addition that you could add to your page where you would do like Facebook podcast. And they tried it out for, I think it was eight, 10 months maybe. And then they said, we're done with that. That's, that's enough out of you podcasters. You don't get any more room on our platform. No, it was probably just not successful uh, enough. I mean, just with the multifaceted ways that people can receive their podcasts, it's, I mean, it's even harder to find exclusivity things because there's not like RSS feeds for YouTube videos and the like. Maybe there is, maybe I'm Maybe I'm just way out of touch, but like you make a podcast, you put an RSS feed and you put it out into the world and you put it on all these different platforms. It is really hard to find exclusivity. Uh, and I don't know if maybe they were just having a hard time finding ways to insert like dynamic ads or, or whatnot, or the ads were uh, too much in control of the podcasters. Not here. <laughs> you don't get ads on the culture check podcast. No one's approached us yet. Nike, if you're looking for uh you know, someone to model your shoes, I will do it. And I will put the, that one singular photo on Instagram. But if you are a listener on, on the Facebook app, just know that I appreciate you. Thank you very much for all of the time that you spent listening to the podcast. I know there's a few of you out there, so uh, I appreciate you stopping by in that way. And so this could be a very sad day. This could be a departure. This could be a separation of you and I where we never get to speak again. However, it doesn't have to be that way because you can find the Culture Jack podcast in a lot of places. Uh, so not just Facebook, but if Facebook was your introduction, introduction in <laughs> if Facebook was your introduction to podcasting. Uh, let me tell you, if you've got a smartphone, you've you've got Culture Jacked. Like we're on there. You can find us on websites. Just punch into Google Culture Jacked Podcast. You're going to find all the different places that we stream. We stream on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Audible, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Music. We stream on Pandora Radio, iHeart Radio. We're out there on Stitcher and Player FM and all of these little tiny rinky dink podcast platforms that you can find us on. I think Google's the easiest way. If you've got an iOS device, I find Apple Podcasts is the way that I like to uh, consume my podcasts that I listen to. Uh, if you are on an Android, I think one of the preferred methods over there is Spotify. Of course, you know, Joe Rogan is on Spotify. He's like the biggest 
podcaster in the world, love him or hate him. He's over there as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can get the culture Jack podcast that you can get this uh, weekly. Most of the time, uh, (laughs) conversation into your life about video games and movies. But that brings us to, uh, the letter section. And this is the letter section of the show where I answer your burning questions, where you write in to me and I get to have this conversation, this one very one-sided conversation that I have every week on this side of the microphone gets, gets to have uh, or become a two-sided conversation where I answer your letters. Unfortunately, uh, another week gone by, another week that you have failed to send me any any missives, any questions, or any bold statements that you want me to answer for, any accusations, any resentments, uh, or any, uh, you know, adorations, uh, or adulations, I should say. So, I have once again stolen a question from another show. Uh, this one I stole uh, from Xbox Unlocked number 539 on the 12th of April. Uh, if you do want to send me a letter though, or send me uh, a message, I'd mentioned our social media links earlier where, you know, at all the popular ones at Culture Jacked, or you can send us an email at the email in the description below. Uh, also, again, for the Facebook listeners, all of those links to all of those different podcasting platforms, in the description below, I'm taking care of you. That's that's what I that's what I do. Uh, but the question this week is: If you could only play one game for the rest of your life, what would it be? And this is from Xbox Unlocked, so this is um, a video game question. So not like basketball or or chess or checkers. We're talking digital media video games, and. So when I when I started thinking about this question, I was I was thinking about all of the games that I spent a bunch of time on already. The ones that I spent the most time on. I'm thinking like Rocket League. My brother and I played a lot of Rocket League, Towerfall, Soul Calibur 2. But those are all ones that are highly dependent upon me having someone on the couch next to me to play those games. I don't think I could have spent as many hours in Rocket League had I not had my brother to play that game with. Uh, Then I was thinking like, (laughs) my dog is making a ruckus at the door. One moment, please. So then I thought, if it's not a couch co-op game that I'm playing with my brother or a close friend, maybe it's an online game like uh, Fortnite or Apex Legends that I've been spending a lot of time on uh, myself lately. Though... In, in in that answer, I kind of had to ask myself, under what circumstances would I only have one game to play? Now, am I on a deserted island? You know, have I have I all other games been lost in the storm? I am a sole survivor of, a, of an apocalypse level event. Like what is going on here? And so I don't think an online game would really be be that great. And especially like a competitive game, because that makes your blood boil. Like after a little while, like even the, the most calm people that I've played games with have rage quit at one point or another, just things aren't going their way. You know, I did press the jump button and it wasn't working. So I thought what kind of game offline single player by myself, could I play for a really long time? And ideally I'd want a a sandbox style game, a game that I could get into and I could explore the world for many hours and consistently find new things to do. 
I, I wouldn't necessarily want like a narrative driven game, which Fortnite and Apex Legends aren't really, but again, they're the very competitive games, not to mention they're online games. I wouldn't want a narrative game because if I was just playing that game over and over again, part of the appeal of a narrative game of a movie is that you don't know what's going to happen next. And so you're surprised by the writing and the character development and the, and the peaks and the valleys of the storytelling. So I decided that the game that I would pick would be Minecraft. Now, whether this was a situation where I could get online or play with someone on the couch, Minecraft is still a wonderful option. I could share my creations with those people. But even if I was just playing in a single player way, that game can be as intense or as calm and relaxing as you want it to be. Not to mention, you are only bound by the limits of your imagination when you play Minecraft. Like Minecraft, and I've mentioned it before several times, I'm sure, Minecraft is like Legos. If you remember playing with Legos as children, like you could you could make a, a fort for villains to hide out, a castle for a princess to be rescued, a race car track, a dinosaur cave. You could make rivers and you could make valleys and forests and you could make, uh, you know, up on, you could be on the moon or you could be on the top of a mountain. Like the possibilities with Legos were limitless. And Minecraft essentially is a Legos style game. I mean, you, you play with blocks you can build what you want. And then it's got these creatures. You can make your own scenarios. I think it would be a game that had I only the ability to play one game in my life, um, it'd be Minecraft. But, you know, with that, I think I'm going to sign off. I think I'm going to go watch Doctor Strange. I'm so, <laughs> I am so excited for this movie. I, I am so excited about Doctor Strange. I think I'll tell you about it uh, next week or I'll tell you what I what I think, what I thought of it next week. There, and there's definitely whenever you go into a new Marvel movie, there's definitely some high expectations. But the thing that I'm feeling now, the thing that is just rushing over me is I know I'm going to have a good time. Now, whether this movie expands the universe in ways that I think it's going to expand it or it, it completely lets me down, drops the ball and tells a very, very linear, very shallow narrative, I know I'm going to have a good time. It's like I know I'm in safe hands when I'm with Marvel. And I don't get that with every movie. Sometimes I get a, go to a movie and I'm like, I don't know what to expect with this. And I know this Marvel movie, this Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, isn't isn't going to be the best movie I've ever seen. Probably. It's, it's going to be a good movie, though. Like, the quality of these movies has been assured. And that's one of the things that I like about them is that, that kind of safe place for me in that way. Uh, so there's things that I'm expecting out of Doctor Strange. Uh, mutants. I... I've expected mutants several times in the MCU. I expected mutants in WandaVision and in Loki didn't manifest itself in either one of those places. But the big reason that I'm expecting mutants to come out of this Doctor Strange movie is because we've all seen Patrick Stewart in the trailers. We've seen that wheelchair that he had from the animated uh, television show in the 90s. Like there's going to be at least the mention of mutants that exist in a different universe if not coming into this universe by the end of the movie. I think, though there is not going to be uh, Fantastic Four specifically, I think there's going to be a tease 
for the Fantastic Four, either operating in a multiverse or maybe it's an end credit scene. Maybe they'll, you know, have to go to the Baxter building. Um, well, I, you know, under new management, what was it the Avengers Tower? I think that everyone has rumored that it was Reed Richards and his and his family who who bought that tower. So I think there's going to be tease for Fantastic Four, but not a lot. Uh, it is going to be kind of the the kickoff event. It is going to be the ignition source for the start of the Secret Wars, which is going to really encompass this entire next phase and probably a little bit into the phase after that. I do. It's hard to say if Mephisto is going to be in this one. They mentioned nightmares several several times in the trailer. Uh, nightmares is probably going to be one of the main antagonists, if not the main antagonist, in the series. Though I think the main antagonist, we know, we all know who it is, and I'm very excited about that too. Uh, but is Mephisto going to show up? Oh God, it's so hard to say. Like he is such a he is. <laughs> He's such a meme at this point. Um, I, I I don't know. I think we're probably going to get alternate versions of heroes that we know. Like the, there were rumors of Tom Cruise coming in to play Superior Iron Man, a different version of Iron Man from another universe. So that would be cool to see. If not, that's fine. We got more more looks at the mystery person. So we're pretty sure it's not an Iron Man person in the trailer. It's most likely Monica Rambeau. It looks like Monica Rambeau looks like a woman. Uh, I don't know. Are we going to see other Captain Americas? Are, are we going to see that long rumored Chris Evans, uh, Johnny Storm, Fantastic Four, Human Torch cameo? I don't think I, I don't think we're going to do that. I do think we're going to see alternate versions of characters that we already know in our MCU universe. Though, I don't think Namor is going to be in it. He's going to be in Wakanda forever, almost certainly. Uh, I do expect big effects. I expect big threads to be left at the end of this movie to spin off the rest of this phase, to spin off more properties on Disney+, Plus. not to mention the later movies. Wanda, God, the trailer set her up so well to be the villain of this movie. And if, if they are not setting her up to be the villain of this movie, they are setting her up to be the villain of this entire next phase, which is because they have Kang already from Loki. So does that mean, or maybe she, I don't know, maybe she's an antagonist for a while until she gets her kids back. Then she wants to protect her kids from Kang that maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I don't think we're going to get vision. Um, maybe we'll get white vision. No, I don't think we'll get white vision. The vision that left at the end of WandaVision. I think we may get Paul Bettany's regular vision um, to play opposite a dream sequence or a memory sequence or something that affects Wanda. Anyway, I'm very excited for you. For you. I'm excited for you to watch it too. <laughs> I'm excited for me. I'm excited for this movie, but that's it for the show. Follow the show at Culture Jacked if you'd be so kind. And remember, if you are a Facebook refugee, you can just, I mean, get a hold of me directly. Send me a message so I can help you stay up to date with the podcast. Keep getting this, oh, I hate to say it, get this content as I spew it out. 
But that's all I have for the show. Uh, I hope your week was good, and I hope your weekend is even better. Cheers. Thank you.